Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When I got out to the Wicklow Mountains, when I came to the end of the line, and when I looked out there uh, from Johnny Fox's, uh, I, I felt this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I thought, God help these poor women if they lie under all this. And it just gave me this feeling like, wow, this may never be solved. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It's 28 years since US student Annie McCarrick took a bus to Enniskerry where she planned to go for a hill walk and take in the breathtaking views over Dublin. She was the first of eight women to go missing in the Leinster area in the 1990s, a number of which have the same chief suspect. But with no body, no evidence, and a trail that has gone cold, the fate of Annie remains a mystery and would be forgotten were it not for her mother Nancy and a close circle who keep her memory alive. Today, I'm talking with former FBI agent turned private investigator Kenneth Strange, who grew up with Annie in New York and who has continued to hunt for clues to her whereabouts. He tells me about his regular trips to Ireland, where he liaises with Gardaí, about the devastating impact of her disappearance on her parents back home and about his hopes that one day Annie may be found. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Ken, you've spent the last couple of days here in Ireland meeting with people, speaking with people, visiting places, and all in the name of a particular case that you have personal interest in and that you've given a huge amount of your own time to. Um, I suppose, first of all, tell me why you're meeting a Spanish film crew here in Dublin. Uh, That's a great question. Um, Actually, I was uh, approached by this Spanish uh, film crew uh, because they said they had uh, seen my name in the paper associated with the case of uh, Annie McCarrick. And um, they, you know, they they actually were pursuing... um, uh, a fugitive from from Spain who's you know wanted by Interpol and um, uh, that person is a serial killer uh, and is had made his way to uh, Dublin uh, just about uh, forty eight hours before Annie McCarrick went missing uh, 
So they they thought, uh, you know, let's let's get together and uh, talk about it uh, in Dublin. And you know, they're, they're kind of uh, following uh, this uh, uh, this fugitive, and um, they, they thought that this is where p- their paths may have crossed. And it does sound significant that there was somebody. Tell me about him, Antonio. Ang- Angles, yes, yeah. Antonio Angles. So uh, Angles was um, uh, kind of a resident of a small town outside Valencia, uh, Spain, and uh, he and his associate uh, uh, brutally murdered three young uh, girls uh, who were headed out to a party. And um, you know he was a fugitive. He actually got away from the Guardia Civil. Uh, his friend, his associate, was caught. Uh, was uh, convicted and incarcerated uh, for, I don't know, maybe 20 years or so. He, he's out now. But uh, Angles uh, managed to get away, and uh, the police lost his, tra- uh, his tracks. Uh, but then um, somehow uh, they, f- they found him on a uh, boat called the City of Plymouth, uh, which was headed to Dublin. And then when it got into Dublin, supposedly, um, they uh, realizing who he was, the captain put him in the brig, and then the, the uh, Irish National Police, the Guardi, were called. And when they got on the boat to the brig, well, he had broken out. So uh, this, I thought, I thought personally this was very interesting because this was less than 48 hours. I think it was like 28 hours before uh, Annie McCarrick uh, disappeared. And then, you know, when I went out there with the Spanish film crew and we took a look at where the boat was docked, mm. And we saw, you know, where uh, Annie McCarrick lived in Sandy Mount. You know, we where was the boat dock? Just along the Liffey here. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, where the uh, those uh, twin uh, chimneys oh, are, yeah. right, yeah. right down there. That's um, right down there. Besides. Right, and there's a nice view towards uh, the uh, Dublin. I guess it's the Dublin Bay you have mm. here, and then uh, right behind that is uh, her apartment, uh, St Catherine's Court, and it's only a mile and a half away. So, well, I mean, to somebody like me, a lowly tabloid journalist, that's it solved. The 1993, you know, that's exactly what happened to Annie McCarrick. That's my gut instinct. Mm. But obviously, let's reel it back here. And you, as a, a very experienced investigator, um, an FBI agent, how do you look on this information? And, you know, you're obviously much more skeptical than, than I. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, look, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that dawned on me this trip is uh, you really have to have an open mind about everything. And I, I don't, I, you have to examine every possibility until you can eliminate that possibility. Um, you know, this fella didn't speak uh, English. So if he did, uh, you know, there's, there's, maybe he jumped overboard and, and I saw the current. It's pretty swift and the waters must be pretty cold. So, you know, if he did jump, jump overboard and, mm. and, and, um, you know, he couldn't swim, uh, you know, mm. he could have gone that way. Or if he had somehow made it into that Sandy Mount area or some residential area, uh, he can't speak the language. He's probably uh, wet as a rat, you know. And uh, so he's got problems. You know, he's probably got to find clothing, food. Um, now, I understand uh, the, the, there, may, there may have been sightings of the, someone that looked like him mm. purchasing clothes at about that time. Uh, it's cer- certainly something to look into, I think. And tell me about his crime, because the uh, were these three girls abducted? Were they set upon? There was no pre-planning, perhaps? Was uh, there... Uh, the hitchhiking. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was kind of sad because uh, normally they go with one of the uh, parents, uh, mm. but he, uh, he was ill that night. And of course, in 93, in Spain and in Europe, hitchhiking was, yeah. you know, was it was kind of safe. 
Yeah, it was right? the same here. Yeah, un- yeah. until until these two uh, characters uh, mm. took the girls in and then took them to their hideaway mm. and then uh, t- uh, tortured them and, and killed them, shot them, stabbed them. Uh, oh, it was very gruesome. Now, has he ever... So is is the last sort of known location for this guy, Dublin, on that boat? He's the, never shown up since? No. Okay. No. City of Plymouth, Dublin Harbour. Yeah, so my initial jumping on this is this is the it's solved I'm sort of beginning to abate here a little bit as I think about it yes yeah. it's not it's not logical is it but it's something that you'd say in investigation you don't totally rule out you leave them at the you you, you follow those leads yeah. until you exhaust those leads yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah for sure so a Spanish crew are just reinvestigating him, mm-hmm. the possibilities of where he's gone, and they have spoken to you about the Annie McCarrick case. That, that is correct. That's right. So, um, 1993, Annie McCarrick, she's an American student. She's staying here in Dublin in Sandy Mount. She gets on a bus to go for a walk, and she's never seen since. And she's very dear to the hearts of Irish people, I think, Annie. I know. It's such a sad story, oh, an I've, only I've child. I, I mean... I've learned how much uh, mm. the people in this country... Uh, you know, loved her and, and yeah, yeah. remember her. I mean, everybody would love for a bit of closure for her Her now. Her mum is all that's left. Her, her father's passed away. And, do you know, there's been, it's been so tragic watching them over the years appealing for information and and everything. And her with her whole life ahead of her and loving this country so much that whatever happened to her. But tell me a little bit about yourself and what your connection is with Annie McCarrick with this case. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I knew the McCarricks uh, personally because uh, we lived in the same town. Uh, her father, John, was my high school teacher. I actually took a course with him. Uh, Nancy was an administrative assistant in the same high school. And uh, Annie would be over my house and playing with my uh, baby sister. So there was, uh, you know, that, that mm. connection. And, uh, and they were nice people. And, uh, and uh, you know, she was a, a lovely uh, girl and, and young woman, you know. So, you, and what did you remember about her personally? Was she very tight with your younger sister? Uh, you know, uh, they went to school uh, yeah. for a while and then uh, she switched uh, uh, schools and okay. then my sister kind of lost contact with her. Uh, but but I remember her over the yeah, house and, and they were into horses and mm, stuff. I mean, that I remember. As people grow up, they sort of, you know, sometimes they'll... they'll uh, they'll just go in separate paths and that's then right. come back together later in life or that's, whatever. But, that's um, right. So when you heard she was missing, um, how did you hear that? Did you hear from family or did you read it on the news or did you were you still in contact with her father? No, no, I, I heard it from uh, from family. Mm. Um, and so that was 1993. Um, I'm trying to think where I was in 93. Um, I was in... That was, we worked out 20 no, years I was, ago. I was overseas, uh, I was yeah. actually overseas at the time. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I heard it from the family and, you know, everyone was like, I couldn't believe it, you know. Right. You know, th- th- in Ireland, of yeah. all places, you know, it's a land of saints and leprechauns, right? <laughs> so that doesn't happen yeah. here, right? But. So, and what did you hear? Was it initially, there was, was there ever a suggestion that she could have just gone into the ether 
of her own accord? Or was it always this very concerning scenario that she had been essentially snatched or abducted or something? You know, I, I think uh, I remember, uh, you know, had she run away? Had, had she, did she have problems? Mm. Uh, things like that. But there was also the larger concern about foul play. Mm. You know, something had happened, maybe one of her relations, somebody that she had a relationship with. Or, God forbid, a total stranger. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you are on with your career. You're overseas at that stage. And we'll, we'll come back to your career um, as we continue our conversation. But about 10 years after she goes missing, which brings us up to about 2003, you decide that maybe you can help and you can become actively involved in it. You knew, you still knew John. Um, did you realize at that point that they were kind of coming here they were at one point coming quite regularly and right, making right. desperate pleas for help, for information. Right. I'm sure as the years were going on, right. they were losing hope and yeah. constantly these right. cold case investigations need a new injection of something into them, don't they? Mm -hmm. that, that, that's right. I actually found out later about all the trips and the, um, and, you know, and, and just this week I found out that they were at a certain hotel for two months. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, but but I, I you know I found out that they were making these trips and uh, they were heartbreaking mm. uh, and people remember uh, almost anyone I talked to in this country uh, vividly remember John because of the pain that was kind of etched on his face and in his voice uh, that's what they remember yeah so what did you do at that point in two thousand and three did you contact John and say to him uh, no I, I, I contacted Nancy um, and. I asked her, I said, um, you know, what exactly, um, uh, how, how is this case going? Who's working the case? And she said, well, the guardy is working the case. And I said, well, that makes sense. Great. Uh, and uh, we have a, a private investigator, um, Brian, Brian McCarthy, lovely guy. And I said, uh, how about the FBI? You know, are they working the case? And she said, oh, I, I didn't know that. I didn't, could, should they? And I said, yes, you know, you know, it's an American citizen. They should certainly have a case opened. I, now, I don't know how much they can do, mm. but at least it's open and maybe they can commit some resources to it or assist the Guardi in that, uh, in that way. And so she said, okay, could you walk me through it? So I made some calls uh, to the local Long Island resident agency and uh, she was able to file a complaint and uh, they opened a case on it. Mm. So, so and what, what it's an ongoing does, case. Yeah. So, what does the FBI do usually in those circumstances? Do they they'll contact the guard? Will they offer assistance in some of their personnel to come over mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. do some of the work on the ground here? Can that happen? Or um, I, I, I'm not so sure about work on mm. the ground. I don't think that's their uh, jurisdiction. Uh, however, they will offer some assistance, and I think in this case, uh, they sent uh, uh, two. Uh, BAU, uh, this is the Behavioral Analysis Unit, the Silence of the Lambs unit, if yeah. you will. Uh, two agents over to Dublin, and it's in the press, uh, mm. it's in the paper. And they did a, uh, apparently they did a, um, um, an assessment, they did a profile on a, a person of interest. Mm. So uh, we know that happened. Uh, and since that time, I don't know what the Bureau has done. I, I've called them a few years ago, and you know, how's the case, and it's kind of Mm. Well, we have no, we, we've heard nothing, so mm. it's kind of in limbo. Okay. Um, so, do you know what was in that profile, or or how that was 
mean, did you ever work with the behavioural science unit or did you know any of them? Of course, they're the most famous FBI agents yeah, I of know. all, aren't I know. they? The yeah. John Douglas and... Um, yeah. Well, you know. I mean, I know John Douglas um, uh, for two reasons. One is he's helping me with my book. Uh, and the other reason is uh, he, during my uh, days at the academy, he came in and, and lectured us on some of his work. So, you know, we, we newbie, newbie agents would be starry-eyed at this guy who's, you know, talking to some of the, uh, you know, Hannibal Lecter-type yeah. uh, serial murderers, some of the most famous ones in our country. I must have read his book, I don't know how many times. Yeah. But what year was that? God, don't even tell me. Oh, it was back years and yeah, years, years and years ago, ago sure. decades ago when it came out, first of all, and that I just, I mean, 89. lapped up every word of it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I digress. Um, they, I suppose we could nearly put together a little profile ourselves almost now at this stage when we, we could have a go, couldn't yeah. we? <laughs> yes. You know, we have Annie and she's living in a, a apartment in Sandy Mount. She's a student. She's obviously young, enthusiastic. She's more than likely going to be chatty and friendly to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she likes hill walking. Yes. Does she really know the area? Could she get lost where she was going? Seek assistance? Yeah. yeah. Um, Good question. She's a woman on her own. On her own. If she has been harmed, which we can assume at this stage she has been, mm-hmm. it's more than likely probably an encounter with a man. I would think so. And come on, give me a hand. I've no, I mean, you're doing it. You're, you're on a roll. Well, I'm not going to stop that moment, momentum. Uh, I'm getting chills. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably, uh, yeah, I've always thought that uh, it's probably uh, someone uh, just uh, kind of an opportunity uh, mm. kill, if you will, uh, just driving around, seeing someone saying, wow, that's, that's my target. I'm going to follow that person mm. for a while. And maybe, you know, I have some lines that I'm going to you know, drive up to her, ask for directions, can't hear you, could you? And, you know, if she gets close enough to this person, and let's say that person is a strong person, might even have a boxing background or something like that, you know, mm. smash in the nose, now you're in shock, right? Mm. You're in shock, you're stunned, you know, put, takes you, throws you in the car, in the boot, and you're done. Mm. You're done, you're toast. Mm. And we should say, Ken, that sort of an individual is very rare Hmm. and no more so than here in Ireland. We don't have very many serial killers. In fact, we've identified one suspected serial killer who has been suspected of being responsible for some of these missing women, but with no bodies, no Mm -hmm. crime scenes. No evidence. We've no facts about that. That is correct. You know? But... That scenario yeah. that you've just played out there, the directions Could. to, you know, to punch somebody in the face, for example, that right. they lose conscience, that has come up in a in, a, in another case of yeah, one of the missing girls I've heard, that you know yeah, of. Right, yeah. I've heard, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. a, right. um, whatever happened, Annie, I mean, is would have been an absolute rarity. It's not like when, when we talk about people like this and things like this, you know, you do really, it's an old cliche, but you have a bigger chance of walking across the road and getting knocked down by a car than you have of ever meeting these people. Right, that's right. We yes. should say that. And yet, yeah. we're very fascinated by all this and every sure. little sure. part uh, and particle of it. That's right. Um, 
do you think there was anything about Annie and there is that whole, you know, vic- victim profiling is, mm-hmm. is similar to, to, to um, perpetrator profiling. Do you think there was anything about Annie or that, that friendliness I was talking about that could have been brought to play in, in what may have happened to her? Uh, you're talking about her, was she those her things? personality. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you kind of uh, touched on it. Uh, you know, the fact that she, um, by all accounts, uh, was very friendly, you know, loved this country, loved the people. Uh, you know, she's probably you know, the fresh air of Enniskerry, for example, if she made it that far. Right? Mm. Uh, and maybe we can assume she did. Uh, you know, she's just not suspecting. And when you're not suspecting, when you let your guard down, you know, when you trust people too much, you know, it could be problematic. So, for example, I always uh, tell my daughters, you know, if somebody asks you for directions, keep a distance. Keep, keep at least five, six feet if you can. That's the lunge uh, area. That's the lunge uh, distance where someone can quickly grab you and, you know, d- disable you, mm-hmm. uh, in effect. So, um, I'm assuming that she just wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. And and either was and and I think either was uh, your country, you know, that's yeah. not not ready for a Ted Bundy type uh, type person. Mm. Um, so that's that's a tragedy. I often think when people are outside their own country and outside their own culture, they're losing some of their senses as well. You're losing that sense. You know what I mean? You can yep. pick up things with people's accents, mm-hmm. whether they look right in the right situation. Right. If you're abroad or you're somewhere that you're just not familiar with, you right. don't pick up those little nuances. I, I think you're right there. Yeah. You know, so you have that going against her as well. But clearly from what we're talking about, um, you believe that she was the victim of somebody who had either done this before, or did it again, and the motivation was... Yeah, I do. ...to I, kill. Yeah, I think so. I think to feed the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, uh, the person may have done it before. Uh, we, we don't know. Uh May have done it again, you know, to feed that that thing inside his brain. Mm. Um, it's it's hard to say. You don't believe there was any way that she was robbed, that there was any other motivation for her disappearance? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, no. no. So let's go back to what happened. She was seen at the bus stop, is that correct? And right. there was a witness saw her on the bus. That's right. Apparently, uh, you know, what I learned this week is it was a, a, a co-worker. Uh, at the uh, uh, Cafe Java or Java Cafe. Yes. Um, and I went over there to take a look at all these places where uh, she was, uh, you know, that, that final day, her last day. So, uh, yeah, so that's the last um, sighting. And apparently, uh, you know, they didn't talk to each other, um, but she saw her. But again, this, this girl then gets off at um, uh, Milltown, right? Mm-hmm. She gets off at Milltown before Enniscary and... And that's really it. That's where the story kind of ends. You know, what happened between Millstown and mm. and Enniskerry. So just remind us, because, you know, when it comes to these cold cases, you always have to be reminded of what is fact. And the longer they go on, right. you know, right. rumors and, and all the rest of it seem to grow legs. But right. was there another sighting of her after that bus? Journey. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, th- there was a, a, a possible sighting at the post office in Enniskerry. And, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I talked with the guardie about that, and 
they said, you know, there was not, it was never confirmed. Right. So, uh, and in addition, uh, Nancy McCarrick um, pointed out that uh, something about this sighting included her buying uh, local postage stamps, if I remember correctly. And Nancy said that would be very odd because the only stamps that she purchased were the international stamps so that they could correspond with each other, right? So kind of discounted that mm. even even more. So It's the small details like it's, that, it's really. It's the details, isn't it? Right. That as a detective you have to take up well, who right. would she be writing to in right. Ireland. And that's why it's very important, you know, uh, and, and I do missing cases, uh, missing persons cases mm. in L.A., and so it's really important to sit down with the family members and spend a lot of time with them and come up with a profile of, mm -hmm. of their children, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, everything about them, you know, stamps, things like that, the, the small stuff. Yeah. And th th that can pay dividends uh, for investigators. Mm -hmm. And were you up in the area this time? You, I was. You took the bus? I was, I was there. Um, I was there a few times. Okay. Yeah. And did you go back to Johnny Fox's, which was famously the place where she was and she wasn't seen? And Of course, I had to stop yeah. in uh, Johnny Fox's. Yeah. Very nice place. Mm. Um, yeah, I, you know, I looked around and, I, and I, you, you're, you're thinking, um, was she really here? You mm. know, I'm looking and I'm saying, was she really here? Or was it maybe, maybe that doorman, you know, didn't, doorman did, believed didn't see her? He saw her that night. Yeah, yeah. Um, a retired police officer has suggested there was a scenario that there was a an IRA guy on the run at one point who mm -hmm. was supposed to have met up with her there. Um, again, the stories are quite watery, aren't they? There's sort yeah. of, there's a bit of a suggestion that it might have been her, but it might not have been her. Yeah, and not enough to, to you know, uh, and then they, they, it grows legs yeah. uh, from yeah. there. Yeah. So what, like, as an investigator, you when you're doing a timeline and you're doing that kind of, you're trying to trace their last movements, mm -hmm. as an investigator, mm -hmm. would you last put her on the bus or would you last put her on the bus stop in Sandy Mount? Because if you put her at the bus stop in Sandy Mount, we don't know whether she ever went to Enniscary at all. Right. That, that, that's right. And, you know, with the packages uh, kind of left on the table mm. with some perishables in the bag, she's in a rush to leave maybe or maybe forgetful or maybe in a rush maybe meeting someone, or maybe she gets no further than the, uh, just outside the St. Catherine's gates and there's the uh, Spaniard, yeah. you know, lurking. So it's, um, it's a, lot of, a lot of things to think about. And I, I've, been, I've been thinking all week about them. Okay. Yeah. And so what do you do with this information and what do you, how do you chase these leads, I suppose? Mm -hmm. And especially now, because we're 28, coming up to 30 years right, right. since her disappearance. Right. People who even gave witness statements at the time probably don't remember what was in them. That's right, yeah. You, you, know, you, you know as well as I do that time is the investigator's greatest enemy. Mm. You know, um, we're losing witnesses, they pass away, uh, some get dementia, and, um, and, and, and you look back and, you know, you don't know at that time how the investiga investigation was run. You know, was it run properly? Were there mistakes made? Uh, so, um, you know, anything can happen. Mm. Um, so, Did the know. police move quick enough here? Well, I, th I think, uh, and again, I, I don't know all the details of, of the case, but I understand that they waited... Um, uh, you know, like 48 hours, 72 hours saying, you know, she's an adult. You know how that goes. She'll be back. You know, mm. she's probably with some guy or, you know, 
she had a tough time mentally or something, but she'll be back. Yeah, I think I think I think so. Mm. I, th I think they should have been on that maybe a little quicker. Was that of that day? Because we always have to do that as well when we're looking back. Mm -hmm. We have to kind of consider that things were different then, weren't yes, they? Yes, absolutely. You know, you know. In all fairness, mm. uh, you know, and I, you know, there have been uh, critics of the uh, police, uh, but. Uh, you know, again, go back to that that time, and um, you know, the, again, not ready for a serial killer. You know, you kind of um, take it for granted. Everything is is fine, and then mm. boom. Mm -hmm. So you seem unsure about a lot of aspects of the case, or certainly, rather, you're 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 sitting on the fence because it could go any which direction. Yes. But I get the impression from you that you're very sure that she was the victim of a serial killer. I think so. Either, mm. either way. I think mm. we're talking a serial. Yep, absolutely. And what makes you so sure about that? Uh, what well, are the aspects of her disappearance that make you convinced that, you know, this was somebody who was used to doing this? Mm. Well, you know, everything is gone. I mean, mm. there's there's no evidence. Um, uh, just just you're left with nothing, and so you know you have to think that whoever did this uh, knew what they were doing. They weren't sloppy thought about it and uh, probably done it before so mm. so that's where i'm i'm thinking this is probably or likely a serial killer i always remember um speaking to somebody in connection with the Deirdre jacob case and of course she they were able to get her to outside her the, the gates of her parents' house. Right. I mean i'm talking to you about Annie McCarrick how far, where can we actually get her? Right. And there was witnesses she had definitely made it to the gates of her parents' that's house. Right, that's right, yeah. And she disappears, gone. Right. Within seconds. Right. She's there one minute, right. gone the next. Right, right. And right. that scenario, of course, has to be an abduction. She has to be overwhelmed very quickly. That's right. And the whole thing. The scenario that's been put forward is that um, an individual who's been well-named in the media, possibly mm. pulled in, mm -hmm. possibly had children's, seats in the back of the car yeah. to encourage her to lean into the car because to make her comfortable with him. How clever. And over, yes. And yeah. overpowered her. Overpowered her. Sure. Mm. Uh, you know, that, that sounds about right. And that sounds to you like a similar, you know, as far as you can, yep. as far as your brain can. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that, that's the classic MO mm. for some mm. of these types, you know, and, and maybe uh, this person was 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 extremely clever and had everything set out. Had a lot of time to plan it. Maybe was in a position where he could study the person's movements for uh, days or even weeks and and know where that person might go and the exact time to pull it off when no one's looking. Mm -hmm. And back then, you know, we didn't have the CCTV cameras and stuff like that. So uh, you know, he, that person would have been able to operate. Uh, uh, you know. Much easier. It would mm. be easier for that person to operate. And if we took that case scenario, if we took that scenario now and that sort of, if we were able to identify as an individual that could have been involved in the case, what should police be doing or what, how should they be trying to move this forward now? Is there a way? Or do you just have to wait until, you know, as in the case of maybe Elaine O'Hara when 
a hill walker found her remains. Is that... Yeah, you know, uh, uh, that's usually the way it happens. You know, either the, uh, let's say the weather or the rains wash away some gravesite and some bones appear or, or some animal finds finds bones. And that's normally the way those those things resolve themselves. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I, when I got out to the Wicklow Mountains, when I came to the end of the line, and when I looked out there uh, from Johnny Fox's... Uh, I, I felt this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, and I thought, God help these poor women if they lie under all this, because the Wicklows, you know, I read about the Wicklows, you know, uh, but I'd never seen them up close and personal, and it just gave me this feeling like, wow, this may never be solved. Where would you start? Where I would mean, you start? You know. Where would you start? And I don't think people understand that looking for a body, you need such distinctive location when you go. You can't just start. You can't just rip a field. No, up. you can't. No, you can't. And and the resources that mm. it would take to do that. Well, uh, frankly, what police force has that for, for yeah. the whole Wicklow's? You know, and that's why I would say, you know, concentrate on places where, you know, person of interest might. Uh, feel comfortable, mm. uh, you know, that could be near the person's home, that could be uh, where, I don't know, where he had a summer home yeah. or she had a, whatever, whoever that person is uh, in their a sweet spot. I would, mm. you know, I'd start there if, mm-hmm. if I'd start anywhere. Um, because it's, it could be very unlikely that, they, that Annie and, and other girls who have gone missing could be, buried in a random spot. It's probably mm. more likely that the spot that they would be buried is pre-planned as well. Pre-planned, mm. pre, pre-dug. Mm. That's mm. that's what I'm thinking. In, in a place, as you say, would be very comfortable to the individual. and Absolutely, yeah. and nobody can see you. Mm. Nobody can hear you shout. Mm. Very chilling stuff, I have to say. Um, yeah. How long were you in the FBI? Uh, I was in the Bureau for three years, Yeah, and then I uh, went overseas with an alphabet agency. Okay, and explain then, what that is. Uh, this is one of these, uh, you know, CIA, uh, AID. Okay. Uh, overseas, I was overseas doing some work uh, there. And then I came back, uh, I did that for seven years. And then I came back and I did 12 years with the Justice Department. Mm-hmm. And what were you doing with the, with the Justice Department? Right, so I was in the Office of Inspector General and uh, pretty much what you're doing is uh, monitoring waste uh, fraud and abuse mm. uh, within the, uh, the department and with its, uh, you know, you're monitoring the, per- the personnel as well. So we were doing, uh, you know, if it's kind of an internal affairs uh, unit. So if you had some uh, wayward FBI agent or a DEA agent or a marshal service or even prisons, uh, you know, we would work those investigations. Mm. So And they're much different. Uh, policing the police. Policing almost, the police. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they know our tricks. So Nobody uh, likes that job. No, it's uh, yeah. n- nobody invites you uh, to Christmas parties. That's no, for sure. no, no, yeah. no, exactly. Yeah. But in more recent years, you, you've been operating as one of your many roles is as a, a private investigator. And you are have been hired by people to investigate all sorts of yeah, diverse, uh, all kinds of cases and, uh, you know, from missing persons, which is, is kind of my uh, specialty. I've mm. developed a specialty uh, for that. And uh, so I've got that. I do fraud cases as well. I'm working on a possible embezzlement case um, close by my, my house. 
uh, Hollywood uh, case. Uh, yeah, tell uh, me about that. No, this I can't. The, uh, I, no, I can't tell you. No, I signed a non-disclosure agreement. I can't tell the you. Nasty celeb. Oh, and wow, I, uh, you know, working with uh, some of those people. Yeah. Oh, you know, money, power. Okay. Oh, anything I want, I'm above the law. Just that attitude. Uh, uh, really was an eye-opener uh, for me. That's real crime. Um, and what about the, the Golden Ga- Gate Bridge? Uh, there was a missing persons case that took you oh, there. I mean- yeah, yeah. That, that, is, that is sad. Um, yeah, I was hired by parents to, they had an uh, older child who was in his 30s, but had some mental uh, challenges. So they, uh, he, had, he had disappeared, and uh, they called me, um, I guess he maybe two weeks after he disappeared. And they were, I mean, they were just desperate because of the mental challenges and they were afraid that he would harm uh, himself. So, you know, again, I I sat down with these people. I, you know, I interviewed them both uh, pretty heavily. I came up with a list of all all the friends, people that this this guy would trust, uh, people that he loved. And I wanted to find out people who didn't love him as well, (laughs) right? And uh, by and by the end of the week, you know, I just I just uh, again cold calls to friends, meeting people, um, local police, the whole thing, kind of a full court press, one man show. And um, uh, by the end of that week, I think it was, took me five days, and um, uh, I got got in touch with a girl that he had gone to college with at UCLA, and uh, so she called him, and uh, he he got got him, and he said, "I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to jump off the golden." Bridge. So now I'm talking to the girlfriend, it's talking to him. Talk him out of that. Get down there. Get, get you know, get yeah, him. Yeah, get, get the police on yeah. it. So so uh, she was successful. He really trusted her. And uh, so she was su- successful. And he actually stayed at her home for a few days. Mm. And then, uh, then the parents picked him up. They brought him back. And uh, they had uh, three more months uh, with him. And then uh, sadly, uh, he went back uh, he to the determined. Golden Gate, mm. and he, this time mm. he was successful. But I mean, that initial that initial time, had they not have uh, brought you in on that case, presumably mm. he could have been. I, you know, I you look know. at it like uh, I gave them uh, three more months with yeah. their son. You know? Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, this book you've written, and it's called. I'm just taking my. It's, My f- it's your brand Camino? new FBI badge, <laughs> off it, which I will be wearing from here on in. If anybody sees me, and it's huge as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a coiny badge. Yeah, I'm going that kind of hurt. Don't drop it on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's your Camino, one couple's five hundred mile pilgrimage across Spain by Kenneth Strange Jr. And it's available on your website. But this book is um, something that. The journey, I think, brought you through a lot of things that had happened in your career and a lot of cases that you'd followed, um, including Annie's. So tell me yeah. a little bit about it and sure. how Annie fits into it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've always had a, a love affair with Spain. You know, it's been a great part of my life. Uh, it was my major in college. I lived in Madrid, uh, went to school in Madrid. So it, it, it seemed almost uh, natural to want to do this Camino. We'd heard so much about it. And it had come uh, at a point in our lives where I, I kind of wanted to get off this corporate uh, treadmill. And, um, and my wife was at the same point as well. So uh, off we went. And, uh, you know, we got on this Camino in France, uh, Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. 
And uh, we started our 31-day adventure, walking 500 miles uh, along the Camino. And really, the book wrote itself because it's really about these pilgrims, the other people. And there were so many stories and uh, so many wonderful days. And the thrill about the Camino is you don't know what's around the corner. And, mm. and, and, you know, and so we just took it as, as it came to us. And it was just delightful. It was spiritual. It was joyful. All of those things. Um, the McCarrick connection is, is interesting because, um, you know, of course, you have so much time out there for reflection mm. and prayer. And, uh, you know, Annie certainly crossed uh, our minds and we prayed for her as we prayed for all our family, friends. Uh, but uh, Barry Cummins uh, from RTE, mm. uh, he had done Missing, right? The book on the uh, women that had yeah. vanished. And uh, he texted me and said, hey, Ken, I need you. You know, I want you on my show. And uh, you see, we have this case involving uh, Justine Valdez. And and we want to see if there's any similarities to another case here in, in Ireland. And, and I said, I'd love to. I mean, really would love to, Barry. But I'm on the Camino with my wife. You know, we're praying. And uh, But he called back and he said, please, I really need you. So I said, okay, okay. Uh, so now, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere and uh, we went to our Spanish hosts and at the hotel and they said, well, we don't have that capability to do Skype, but the next place we can drive you there and, and we have a place you could do the Skype. And that's what we did. You know, we went over there and they, they were so gracious and they set us up and, and had a marvelous talk with Barry. Um, and, and so, you know, did that. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, uh, we're walking into a place called Porto Marin, and uh, I'm with a, a very nice gentleman. He's from Ireland, and uh, we're chatting, and he says, uh, you know, wh what, did, what did you do? And I said, oh, you know, I was in the FBI, you know, and he said, hey, wait a second. You're the FBI guy. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you are on Irish uh, TV last week. And I said, yes, I was. I was like, you know, on the Camino. And he had seen you before he yeah. went out there. Yeah. Small world, Small world, yeah, small yeah, world. Yeah. Amazing. Um, are you still in touch with Nancy McCarrick at the moment? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. And how is she? Uh, she's a woman of great faith. Mm. Um, you know, I, I guess it was the last time I saw her was uh, at a, um, a small little church called Our Lady of the Snow in uh, Blue Point. Uh, I was there with my dad. And uh, afterwards, we all got together out on the steps of this little church. And, uh, you know, we start, started chatting. And she said, Ken, uh, I'm never going to see my daughter again. I know mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. she, she said the blessing would be to bring her home. And, and I knew what she meant. Mm -hmm. And it really, it really hit hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt so bad for her. You, you what know? age and, is she now, Ken? Uh, Nancy would be, in, I think, in her 70s, maybe, mm. uh, early, mid-70s, mm -hmm. around, around there. But, uh, uh, yeah, we just got in touch. She sent me a letter to give to the Guardi. Yeah. And uh, I said I would, definitely. And, uh, you know, my pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. So she, you'll kind of go back and give her whatever information you can. And a you'll, you'll assure her yes. that, yes. you know, you've met, you've met the Guardi People are still working here they in this are still country working. on it. And Absolutely, they are. And um, so part of this trip was to establish a relationship with the Guardi mm. uh, because really uh, we're cut from the same cloth. We might be in different countries. And there is a, there is a fraternity mm. with law enforcement. So uh, that's what I needed to do as well because I think that's how things cooperating. We can move things forward. Mm. Um, you know, maybe possibly... 
resolve it mm. so, one way or another. And what do you think we could be doing? Just talking about it every mm. opportunity, I presume, is of help because yeah. there could be still people out there that... Well, I'll tell you this much. Uh, one of the takeaways I had uh, was in these trips I had, whether it was to um, Enniscary or other places, I, I would meet people and they would come out of the woodwork. Once they mm -hmm. found out that I was kind of an innocuous type person, an American who is close to the family, and they, they would come out and you know people would try to help. And... And sure, I mean, some of it is wild goose chases, but you never know. Mm. And you have to follow these leads up. So if someone came up to me and said, you know, um, I think there's this, even if it's a clairvoyant out there that takes you to some field, um, or someone else says, hey, you know, that that uh, place out there, that that house was being constructed, and, and, and maybe the person of interest did the construction there, and maybe that places that person at the same day or time. All of these things need to be followed up. And these people would, would talk to me. So, you know, what I'll do with everything I, I received is I'm going to go to my contact, which is the Guardi, and mm. say, here, this is your case, and, and this is what I could do to help you, and my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Some years ago, you hooked up with um, a, a, an ex-detective from the UK called Clive Driscoll. Clive Driscoll. And I think you tried to, you attempted the two of you to go and talk to Larry Murphy, who was working in London at the time. Right. And had been released from prison here mm -hmm. and has been named as a, a person of interest in a number of these cases, mm -hmm. uh, albeit without any actual evidence no linking evidence. him to no any evidence. of them. No but, evidence, um, right. Just tell me a little bit about that. I think we all... We're in touch at the time, but yeah, yeah. You and, you and Clive went right. down to a pub he'd been seen in. Yeah, uh, was, I think it was the White Horse uh, Tavern uh, over in uh, Streatham, Streatham Hill, which was interesting because my great-great-grandfather uh, was an orphan near Streatham Hill, right? Uh, so uh, apparently, uh, again, in the press, uh, there'd been some news that he had been in an altercation Right, so uh, we knew that he had frequented the place. So you know, Clive and I, uh, and Clive was kind of my uh, my guide. Uh, he knows the territory, yeah, and a wonderful guy. Boy, I'd would have loved to have been his partner. That's for sure. I'd say he had a very very interesting career. Oh yes, he was bold. Yes, he's <laughs> he's written a book too, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So we uh, you know we we checked it out, and uh, the proprietor said, yeah, you know he was, but we haven't seen him since. Yeah. He hasn't shown his face here. So, um, but I did know that he was in some working class neighborhood mm. in London. So. You know. The last I think we had come across him, he was in a relationship in London with a woman who knew who he was and, heard, and what I his background that. was. And of right. course, for anyone who forgets, Larry Murphy was uh, convicted in relation to a sexual offence, but uh, the victim uh, was rescued while mm -hmm. up a mountain, a horrendous case, absolutely mm -hmm. horrendous case. Mm -hmm. She had been abducted, overpowered very quickly, right. um, and he had brought her up a mountain and raped and sexually assaulted her on a number of occasions. Right. And she was very lucky because some hunters had come across her and saved her. Lampers? Lampers, yeah. But... Um, so, yeah, so Larry Murphy is obviously somebody that, you know, 
sort of remains in this country a bit like a bogeyman as such, yeah, but yeah. he has never, or he has been questioned, and he was questioned before he was released from prison and refused to answer any questions in relation to any of these cases. He refused to deny any involvement, or he refused just basically to, to speak. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, and that's tough to overcome, because if that person has uh, survived prison for 10 years and has not spoken a word, you, do you expect them to talk mm. to anybody else? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. So that's the challenge that um, law enforcement or or even getting an informant inside yeah. will be tough. Yeah, because he could see it coming. But I get the impression, and I I I, I ask you about your hopes for the case, what can be done, etc. That you believe concentrating on trying to locate the burial grounds would probably be... I, I, I mean, that's where I would focus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you'd, you'd kind of follow kind of the last, wherever that person of interest, his activity, mm -hmm. and, and start there and work from, from that point, I think. To try and identify possible burial grounds, areas that he Stashed, frequented, whatever right. lands that he owned, etc. Right. And when you have a smaller location mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. then you can bring in your geographical profiling on the land. Spot on. Mm. Spot on. Now, you know, there are things out there, you know, you've seen that geo and stuff like that. You know, there are geo surveillance uh, tools and equipment that uh, can do a pretty good, pretty good job. I don't know what the situation on the ground is with Ireland, if, mm. if they've surveyed places where you can bring in some of this stuff. Uh, but uh, some, sometimes, you know, drones and, mm. you know, they're, they're successful. I mean, if they can uncover Mayan cities, um, you know, under like a canopy of, of foliage, mm. uh, I, th I think they can cut through the Wicklows. Uh, mm. I really do. So, but it's it's expensive. Mm -hmm. It's That type of stuff is expensive. And you might need the help of, you know, an outside agency or another entity that, mm. uh, you know, could uh, kind of front the bill. Or, or Is that where the FBI might come in again? They, they, you know, I thought about that. And yeah. you know what? I'm, I'm going to uh, go back and I'm going to uh, reach out to my contacts and, and say, hey, you know, we have an American citizen uh, that's somewhere out there, I, th I think, you know, mm. I think. And, uh, and, and if not, maybe some other girls, right, that are out there. And, uh, you know, would you consider cooperating and, uh, you know, putting some of that equipment to, to good use. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it being used and it is very, well, it's simple in scientific terms mm -hmm. uh, in that it's like x-raying the ground. Exactly. And exactly all it sees is that the earth was moved. So if the, you dig a, disturbance, a hole, the right. disturbance is it, what right. it sees. Yeah. That's it, yeah. And it can see the sort of the size of the disturbance and therefore you can just sort of use your common sense then to say, well, that might have been somebody... Burying a dog. That's right. You that's know, right. or something. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, dogs Dogs are great. Mm. And I've seen dogs in action. And they're, they're, the good dogs are phenomenal. And, mm. and they can discriminate. Amazing how they can discriminate between a pig's bone and a human bone. It's amazing. But that has to be in conjunction, I think, uh, with uh, kind of localized spots and bring in the artillery. You know, the bring in the uh, those, those, those tools. Mm. And I think you'll have a better chance of success. That's just my opinion. Mm. And it's probably already been thought of, but, uh, you know, I'm just throwing it out there mm. in case it hasn't. 
Will you send uh, Nancy McCarrick our love and just tell her that, you know, if there's absolutely any way, if anybody out there has any information, I really hope they come forward. Just even for her, of course, to just get her daughter back at this stage so she could bury her must be, I mean, a lifetime of heartache. Oh, I can't even imagine it. Mm. Amen to that. I can't imagine. Kenneth Strange, thank you very much. Thank you. A pleasure. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.